Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Your Influence podcast. I'm your host, Majesty Palm, blogger, influencer marketing expert, speaker, and founder of Ignite Your Influence Conference. On this podcast, I'll be focusing on how you can use your influence to make an impact. How will you ignite your influence? Hey guys, welcome to episode 16 of the Ignite Your Influence podcast. I have a special episode today with a great friend of mine, and we are talking all about creating designer-inspired content. So I am welcoming Nina Johnson to the show. Welcome, Nina. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. So excited. I feel so honored. I feel so special right now being with you, Madge. You're oh my girl. God. I feel, I, first of all, first of all, let me, so listeners, let me give y'all some background. Nina is my girlfriend, and because of COVID, I haven't seen her. This is probably the longest of time we've not seen each other physically yes um and so just to like be able to have a girl chat and share that girl chat with y'all is really special um Nina let's take them back on when we met we met at a cooking class but how many years ago 2016 that have been like four or five was it was it 2016 it was a while at least 2016 or 17 at minimum yes 20 was I was I married was the question yes yeah, so it was 26. Well, I don't know. That doesn't help because I was married in 2014. Gosh dang it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is if this is any indication of how this is gonna go, it's gonna be very random. And anybody yes. who watches my five to 15 minutes of fashion show, they know that this is just what you get. And I apologize in advance to all your listeners. Um, but yeah, we met at a cooking class about 2016. Yeah. yeah. And then since then, uh, Nina may be her friend. You, did you tell them, you want, want me to tell them what happened? Can I just tell Please. them to be honest? Okay, so Madge is sitting there and I have a tendency to pick up hot chicks. Like my husband, when we go someplace and there's like a bunch of beautiful women, he's like, babe, keep it in your pants. Because if you're like an attractive girl and I'm a girl's girl, and if you're an attractive girl, I will 100% ask for your digits because I want to be your friend. It's so, I just kind of feel like, I like my friendships to be like a desirable neighborhood. You know, like I wanna, I want all like my, my click, my whole click to be a group of baddies. So I always hit on hot chicks. And so you're sitting there and I asked you, what year did you graduate? Cause I'm trying to place your age. And I think you said 2004, right? Correct. Yes. And I said, I graduated 2004 too. And then it was like crickets when I realized you were talking about high school and I was talking about college and I am a thousand years older than you, but didn't deter me. I still got your digits. And we went to lunch like that next week. Yes. Yeah. yeah I think we got Thai food. We did. We went to Basil and we had Thai and we caught up and we, we bonded over losing our fathers young. Yep. And I think that was the end of the story, right? That's all she wrote. Yep. And you've been tight ever since. So let me give you all some background too. So Nina, ever since we became close, Nina is like the person that gives me fashion advice. Nina is also like the person I've leaned on for spiritual support. So we both go to Elevation Church because um, we're both based in Charlotte. And Nina for years was my, we call it e-group leader, but like Bible study leader. Like she's fantastic. She led a whole women's Bible study group and like always lifted us up. So anyway, I wanted to give that context because sometimes some of my guests on the show 
I only know through social media or content creation space, but I know Nina in real life. So this chat will probably be a lot more casual than normal. Yeah. Also, um, if you've ever been to North Carolina in spring or summer, you know pollen is real. Me and Nina may sneeze. We don't have COVID. It's just North Carolina allergies. So I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm clearing my throat. I apologize. I am just struggling with the allergies right now. I feel like this pollen season is gonna turn like COVID into the Salem witch trials. Like everybody's gonna be looking like you got COVID. You got COVID. It's just the pollen. It's so bad right now. <clears throat> As I clear my throat. Yes, it, it is bad. I'll give you one piece of recognition before we dive into the interview. Um, many people don't know this, but Nina was my like saving grace stylist for my Ignitra Influence Conference 2019. I had a wardrobe catastrophe. I had ordered uh, Fina Well, which is a, a black female designer, two piece set, beautiful print, and it was not here. And then I'm talking two days before the event, it had not arrived and I was freaking out. So I phoned a friend, Nina is like top stylist. And I was like, Nina, I don't have nothing. What I ordered, my whole plan is in the mail and lost in transit, can you help me? And y'all, she put together an outfit for my cocktail hour, for my event, and just really came through. So if you ever need a stylist outside the content creation space, Nina also does styling services. But anyway. Thank you for that plug, but you know I love you. And you're so pretty and easy to dress. So it was just, it just felt like girlfriend time, you know? And even then you gave me some style tips. So that was kind of like the beginning of you schooling me on styling. So guys, let me tell you something. I am short. I am like 4'11 and 3 fourths. And Nina, you better add the three-fourths, girl. You better yeah, add the three-fourths. I'm claiming it, okay? Um, <laughs> Nina stopped me in some pieces that had very long pants. And I was freaking out, like, oh, my God, I don't have time to get this hem. I don't want to hem the, you know, the pieces. She's like, Majesty, wear huge platform heels. So Nina actually taught me how to appear taller by wearing really chunky platform shoes and not having to get my pants hemmed. So you've been teaching fashion all along. Um, but, but help me understand... When did you transition from just like knowing style tips, knowing and loving fashion to wanting to share content about fashion? So it, I think it kind of all happened accidentally. I think I started my Instagram in maybe 2015 just to promote my styling services. And then it kind of took on a life of its own. And I think you have a tendency to look at what other people are doing. And so you were in my e-group at that time. And well, you would, maybe it was, I'm, I'm messing up the dates. So, because I don't think I started until after I met you. So maybe it was 2016 when I started my, my Instagram, 2016, 2017, that feels right. And so you were doing all kinds of great content. And I thought this would be a great way for me to expand my business. And so um, one of the things about my styling business, a lot of my clients requests like NDAs. They don't want people to know how much they're spending on their clothes. A lot of the people that work at banks that are publicly traded. So, I mean, if, if you can kind of imagine this, so you're working at a bank that's publicly traded and you're a stockholder and the stock prices are going down. You don't want to see that the CEO of the bank is in head to toe like Gucci and you're like, oh, you're doing great. So I'm not really allowed to share those people on Instagram. And so it was just a lot of me kind of styling myself and the few clients that would let me share, um, share their styling sessions. And then I saw what you were doing and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Let me give this a try. And so that's kind of how that all began. Um, and then it just kind of organically morphed into other things. That is so fantastic. So something so interesting about your content, like, and I tell you this all the time, 
if you put your content against my content, although we're from the same area, in the same region, have access to the same stuff technically, we have two different content worlds, like completely. I love that you really niche down and really mastered the name, like the lane of designer inspired, luxury living, like very focused. But then you also have this other side of like, you can make Zara fast fashion look like Gucci. So help me understand just when did you fall in love with designer? Like when did all the appeal, cause your love is deep. And so I feel like this is yes. going, going for some time. <laughs> Well, so in full candor, you talk about our styles being different. I distinctly remember thinking that to be successful, like looking at you being successful, thinking, let me just imitate what Madge is doing. And I remember like downplaying my love of designer and not showing it because I felt like it, it didn't make me relatable wow. because I do think that um, people have a tendency to think, well, that's not for me when 100% I think, and I'll share some of my tips about just making designer accessible for all and how to mix high-low looks and make everything look look looks. But um, I remember thinking, I'm just gonna copy what Madge is doing because look how successful she is. <laughs> and that didn't really work for me. I don't think it read genuine. I don't think it was relatable. Um, and I was just mimicking what you were doing. I was like, oh, that's really cool. She looks beautiful, let me try that which I think is is a compliment to you, but I was almost doing myself a disservice. By uh, not yeah. Any, yeah, you were doing yourself a disservice by not showing off Tom Ford boots and all your Bowman blade. Like what, like why are you keeping that in the closet? <laughs> well, I felt like it wasn't relatable and people weren't gonna like it. And so, but then um, out of nowhere, I just felt like, you know what, let me lean into what I love because I've always loved designer. And, and I've purchased designer, you know, when I was fresh out of college making $35,000 a year, I just did it consigned or I saved and saved and saved to get that one piece that I really wanted. So I've always purchased designer. I just kind of hit it because I felt like it wouldn't make me relatable. And I don't know if I've just talked all around your question, but um, just, I think it's weird. I just woke up and I was like, I love it. I'm going to lean into it. And I remember being at your first Ignite Your Influence conference and um I think it might have been Stacey Michelle. Shout out. I love her. She's great. Um, but she was just telling me that, you know, uh, there may be a like a smaller audience for what what I love, but like do what you love, you know, and and just understand that, you know, there's going to be a different audience for you. And that's OK, you know, so just leaning into what I love. And I think it made everything easier, too. I remember when I was trying to do what you were doing, how hard everything felt how much work, it just felt like work and it wasn't fun. And I don't think people were engaged because I was treating it like work. And then I just started doing what I loved and it just made everything so much easier and fun too. Yeah, and I think that's a word all in itself of just being authentic to what you're passionate about and your style, especially talking about style, like your style is from like accessible to looks and you just blend it all so seamlessly and so tailored no matter where you get it from. And I think you put boundaries and borders on yourself if you try to fit that into another box. Um, yeah. And so I think as soon as you made the decision to be completely you and show people what I got to see in real life all the time, your friends got to see, your family got to see, it was like the light switch went on. And then I had people in my network who follow me and are like, yo, 
Nina is cool. I love her too. And I'm like, yes, of course. Like, this is why I hang with her. She's fantastic. But it was almost like before you really transition into just really talking about your zone of genius and what you love, it's almost like people can see how all the greatness that came from you. And so I think that's a word in itself. I'm like, when you create content, not to feel like you have to do a blueprint that's already been done, do your own. Cause that's going to be, that's the secret sauce. Like as soon as you start doing this, it was just like, oh my God, I love Nina. I didn't know she did this. She taught me this, da, 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 da. And it was just like, you came into your space and found your tribe who either loves designer, either, like you said, saving up for that piece, want to make sure they take care of those pieces. Um, Even even with the fashion, fashion, want to make sure that they're taking care of it. Like you, I watched a YouTube or video you did recently that taught me even with fast fashion to take it to the cleaners, to maintain, like, so I think you, you've found your tribe and you found people who want to learn from you and you've, you found this beautiful sweet spot. Okay. Yeah. Let me go back to the beginning though. Okay. You mentioned that you've been buying designer for a long time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, and this is probably hard. Do you remember the first designer piece you've ever bought? Um, the first, so I, yes, very clearly remember <laughs> my first, one of my first designer pieces was a pair of, no, it was before that. It was a Chanel consigned blazer. I was at a estate sale and I found this beautiful, and I still have it. It's from the eighties and it's this beautiful tweed Chanel blazer. And it has like big pink buttons with gold, the gold classic Chanel interlocking C's on it. And it was just gorgeous. And in my mind, I was like, something that was created in the eighties that is still popping that I still wear today. Like that's an investment piece, you know? And so I, I don't know. I just, that's, when, when I fell in love with it. I think I've always kind of loved it, but like that first designer piece and I was just hooked. And so for me, it's not just like accessories. Like I love designer, like ready to wear items. Um, some people like really focus on uh, shoes and handbags, but I just, I just love a good designer ready to wear piece. And I love, again, the shoes and the handbags are great too, because you can take your fast fashion, like your H&M, or you can take your, I call high street, like Zara is a higher price point. So your high street fashion, which is Zara. And then you add like, you know, your Chanel vintage blazer over it. And it's like a fire ensemble, you know? So I think that Chanel blazer at that estate sale. And uh, I paid $200 for a Chanel blazer. Oh so. my God. And, and it's beautiful. Cause it's like, especially if you still have it in your collection. And just to mm-hmm. know that that's another beautiful thing about luxury quality designer yeah that piece was in the 80s and is still not falling apart still relevant when you pay and invest in quality you have these capsule collection pieces that just are ageless um I think about when you said that reminded me of my mom my mom is a preacher and in the like heyday of preaching when people really were still dressing up for church you know people wear jeans at church now Mm -hmm. um, she would love a saint john knit Yes. Would, I mean, it was like the first lady's signature. Yes. She had a knit collection and she would just talk about how if you get the St. John knit pant and the skirt, you can mix all the tops. Like it was c- kind of like you're saying with that Chanel, it was just like a piece of like, it's a high ticket piece, 
but it's something if I invest in, I can build around it and keep it forever. And um, for sure. I mean, if you go to the real, real, which I love them for designer ready to wear, not, but not so much for handbags because they do final sale. And I don't really appreciate that because I think you want to get your hands on it and touch it before you like make a big investment. But for designer ready to wear, like their St. John pieces, like vintage pieces you can find for as low as $100, like things that would have retailed for $2,000 that are still pristine and in great quality and still like super chic that you could wear today and it's still in style. Like I love a timeless piece. I mean, it's just a good investment in your wardrobe. Oh yeah, for sure. So let me <clears throat> another question about designers and you're probably going to cuss in your head because- I'm Or gonna- out loud, what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> putting you in, I'm putting you in a spot. Okay. Okay. Your top three designers ranked in order. No. Can you share I, that? <laughs> no. This is like Sophie's choice. Are you serious? It's like picking, I mean, I only have one kid, but I could imagine if I had multiple kids and you were like, pick your favorite. No. Oh my God. So can I cheat? Um, can, I do, can, can I do, can I do, cheat? can I do three? Can I do three like ready to wear and three, four accessories? Can I just do, can I separate them? Because can I please, can I just cheat this one time? Fine. We go back, seriously. Uh, yes, only because okay. I know you. <laughs> I mean, I don't, this is literally Sophie's choice. So if we're talking about designer ready to wear, my three favorite designers would be Balenciaga. Everything Balenciaga touches just turns to gold lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I love just like their classic designs. It's a little bit of edge with like a structured shoulder. Um, I love their hourglass blazers. I'm a blazer gal, so I like lots of blazers. But Balenciaga, everything they're doing lately. And I love their trendy stuff too, like with the Balenciaga logos. Like they found a way to do like obnoxious, gaudy logos. And you know that, pardon my French, but I am a logo ho, so I love a logo. So Balenciaga for ready to wear. That's probably number three. Okay. Number two would be Ralph Lauren, because I feel like American designer, classic silhouettes, but I also love Ralph Lauren because he was one of the first designers to use black models in like a really meaningful way. And not just as tokenism. I mean, if you remember Tyson Bedford got his start with Ralph Lauren, Lord bless that just chocolate drop. Just, he's, he's still fine too. Um, but, but like, I would just remember Naomi Campbell and I just remember those ads just looking like quintessential America. And I love like Ralph, my mom has a Ralph Lauren jacket that she's had forever that I fell in love with. And then I bought one recently for me and I spent $260 on it. And so I I love it. So I love Ralph Lauren. And then probably my favorite ready to wear brand is Balmain. Like just everything. Yes. In my head, I guess that would be your number one. Did you really? Did you really? And then for, um, so I'm gonna do the same thing for accessories. So, Bottega Veneta right now, it's a brand, again, because I am kind of like, if I buy something designer, like I want you to know from like a good 30 kilometers away that my thing is designer. So Bottega Veneta is kind of a sleeper because they're, um, Daniel Lee is the creative director and he's not doing tons of logos, but he's doing very a very specific aesthetic that like no one can knock off. And it's kind of this moment that if you know, you know kind of thing. And so- all the Bottega Veneta like mules right now are fire. 
Uh, the woven handbags, like the cassette bag with the chain is just a moment. It is glorious. It is so beautiful. And then, um, so that would be number three. Love all things Bottega Veneta and Daniel Lee. He is just killing it right now. And then number two would be Chanel. I mean, just the Chanel uh, classic flap. They've been doing that since 1955. Uh, I think if you had purchased one in 1955, kudos to you because it was $200. Um, and the one thing about I love about Chanel is it's, a, it's an investment piece. I bought my Chanel bag back in 2015 and I paid $5,900 for this bag. And I could probably sell it for $5,900 today because, the, uh, because it's a classic item and the price increase has gone up so much. Today, if, you, if I bought that bag at the Chanel boutique, it would be $7,100 new. So every year those classics go up. So it's almost like an appreciating asset, which I mean, other than a house, can you think of another asset that like appreciates? Just Chanel bags. And then the creme de la creme, just of all accessories, Hermes. The Hermes Kelly is one of the most coveted handbags. Um, it goes up in price every year. Very, very, very hard to get your hands on. Um, it has a tendency, even once it goes in the real sell, on the on the resale market, if it's something really unique, um, is even more expensive than in the store. And it's just a classic piece. And Hermes um, has been doing this bag. I would probably, it's the Grace Kelly bag unofficially, but I would probably say they've been doing this since the 50s, 60s, and the bag has not changed. And it is gorgeous. And it's so funny too, if you even like, if you, they just do not depreciate. Even if you've destroyed your bag, like you could go to Vestiaire Collective. It's out of Europe. It's a resale. It's like the eBay of Europe, but much, uh, I, I think it's more trusting because they authenticate everything. Like if you go on Vestiaire Collective, I feel like I'm rambling, but I'm gonna wrap it up. And you buy something from Vestiaire Collective, they send it, like the, per, the seller has to send it to Vestiaire's home base. They authenticate it and then they send it to you. So you know you're getting authenticated items. But I was on Vestiaire Collective looking for an Hermes Kelly for a client. And I saw one that looked like it was road hard and hung up wet. And it was still $5,000. Like it looked like someone's dog chewed it. And it was still $5,000. So um, Hermes, an Hermes Birkin, just it's a classic item and it is never going out of style and it will appreciate in value. So there we go. I cheated, but. I know only you do <laughs> to make my top three question into a top six really, but you know. I know, I'm sorry. I cheated. You know, I'm not good with rules, Madge. <laughs> That's a friend part. So. Yeah. Let's transition from, so we have now an understanding of what sparked your love for designer, how long you've been investing in designer pieces, your top designers. So let's pivot into content. When you really decided to niche down and, and, and share content that was designer inspired, designer focused, that has even evolved, in my opinion, as a, as a follower of yours, from beautiful high-end pictures that were like, pinned items, inspo, I love how she styled that, to now a video series, five to 15 minutes of fashion. So can you share mm -hmm. with everyone kind of your evolution, even with content from starting with images and then making the transition to more talk video and sharing content um, through a series? So um, I, it's a couple of different parts, right? I think that when COVID hit, 
Um, I wanted like just a verb, I'm a talker. And so I wanted this just like connection with people that I felt like I didn't get on images. And I, I, I too felt like it's this weird thing where I feel like I'm not, you're very photogenic and I feel like I'm not as photogenic and so I just really struggled with pictures. I think I'm more, I'm more telegenic. Like I'm better with like just my personality. And I've had people even tell me that I think when people just look at me in a picture, I feel less relatable. And I think when you're in designer head to toe, like I think people have some preconceived notions of what comes with that. Like they don't know I'm the girl, like just you know, doing random stuff all day, like in the prayer circle, doing this thank you leg. Like they don't know I'm that girl. And so just me smiling in a picture, holding an Hermes bag, it, it didn't read who I was. And so I think at the beginning of the pandemic, I thought, well, I'm not in a position to, you know, get with a photographer and I'm not really good at taking my own pictures. So um, I just transitioned to just doing like lives in my closet and just having people come on and ask me questions. And I would just talk about things that I love. And I just told my husband, I said, if I had two followers, I would continue to do this because it is so much fun. I love the science of fashion. Like I love talking about how different brands evolve, different creative directors. I love to see the, the activism in fashion. And I just think fashion is much more important than, than we give it credit for. I mean, people look at you and, and that's your first impression. Like that's the first thing people will ever know or see about you is what you're wearing. And I know it's not the most important thing. It's not everything, but it is a thing. And so um, I just realized, I just want to talk about it. I want to talk about all the different like factors about fashion. And then I want to tell people, for me, it was, it was layered. I wanted to talk about how if you were a person who loved the designer look, but you just weren't a person who, you just don't wanna, you have the money, it just isn't a priority for you. You want the designer look and you don't wanna spend a thousand dollars. So I like that person too. I wanna show you where you can get these designer inspired items. Or you are a person who, um, has the money, but you kind of want to do high, low, you know, you want to buy a couple of capsule pieces or statement pieces, and then you want to mix it with some fast fashion or some high street. And so that person's welcome too. And then even if you're a person and you're budgeting and you're trying to spend your money responsibly, but you want to get a couple designer pieces, like I definitely want to share with people how, you know, when I was only making $35,000 a year, how I made those things accessible to me, because I think you, you you don't realize like you spend a hundred dollars here at H&M, you spend, you know, $200 at Zara. Like if you just wait over time, like that could be an investment piece or that $200 you spent on a Zara blazer could be a Chanel blazer if it's consigned. And then there's all types of like ways for me. I specifically use them to hide for my husband, like uh, thank shout out to Afterpay that will break it up in a couple payments because I don't need him seeing like one lump sum on the credit card bill. Ain't nobody got time for that. So um, there's Afterpay, there's QuadPay, there's Affirm, there's uh, what is there? There's PayPal credit. And a lot of these places, if you pay it off in a certain amount of time, like you don't get any interest. So it can help you kind of spread it out. And I just think that designer fashion is accessible and there are perks to it in that, you know, once you get a piece like your mom's St. John pieces, those pieces are not out of style. They will never go out of style.
you know? I love that. So, so now that you've kind of found your sweet spot of, okay, my images aren't really translating who I am and what I'm passionate about. So got, going live, doing my series, education, telling the history of the brands and how to take care of them and how to invest in them, that's your sweet spot. So if there's a listener listening in now who wants to create luxury-focused content, designer-inspired content, do you have any tips for someone who wants to get started in this niche? Well, the first tip I would say is make sure it's a love. You want to be able to talk about it passionately. Um, The second tip I would say, even if you can't afford to buy it, you have access to it. Go in the stores, you know, like... I try on things I can't afford all the time and I get, I have the right to do that. You are the sales associate. Bring me my size. Let me try it on. That's what you're there for. Don't worry about what's in my pocket because I may not have it right now. I may figure out how to get it. It's none of your business. Bring me my six and a half, please. Thank you. So I would say, love it. I would say, don't, even if you can't afford it at the moment, don't like hesitate to embrace it, to lean into it, to go try it on, to get immersed in it, to learn about, you know, how things fit and learn about the creative directors and really get, really embrace it. And then I think that the third thing you would do, um, make sure you only focus on the things you love, you know, like don't feel like you have to follow my model or anybody else's model, because if you focus on the things you love, that will come across, but um, don't feel like you have to purchase luxury to share luxury content. And um, one of the other things I would say is, um, if you are as a as a social media influencer, even if you have two followers, um, you go into Nordstrom, you say, "Hey, I want to take some pictures of this for my Instagram." They're gonna let you. You know, you go into Neiman Marcus, you go into Bergdorf's, wherever you are. If there's a designer boutique, you go in and you say, Hey, I want to share this with my followers. They're going to let you, so you don't have to buy it to share it. Just make sure you're interested in it and you love it. And it's genuine. And I think it'll just come organically. And again, if you have one follower, two followers or 2 million, um, do it because you love it. Like do things that you love and it'll never feel like just a grind. And that's kind of where I am right now. It just feels like fun. It's just, it's just fun. I love that. I love that. So my final question <clears throat> that I ask all guests on the Ignite Your Influence show is what advice do you have for creators for igniting their influence? Um, I feel like a broken record here, but I think that the biggest thing people are good at sniffing out a fake or sniffing out something that's disingenuous or disingenuine, not really sure what's the proper word for that. But if it's gonna be something that you wanna share, like don't do it from a place of, I wanna grow or do it from a place of, I'm just trying to like make a quick buck. Like make sure you share things that you love. Like I think an influencer is a weird term. I kind of feel like we are someone, I'm almost like your girlfriend and I found this cool thing and I wanna tell you about it. And I think if you approach it from there, not from a place of, what's going to get me followers or how can I make money? If you feel like I really found this cool thing and I just want to tell you about it. Like, I think that that will help you expand your reach. Just my opinion. I'm not an expert. Yeah. You are an expert. That's why I'm (laughs) interviewing you. You are an expert. Let me tell you this, uh, friend to friend, follower to friend, um, you're killing it. 
I love your series. Um, you're teaching us so much practical, relatable stuff. And I think this is just the beginning. I can't wait to see where this goes and where this takes you. I feel like this is going to be special. Like you're going to blow up and I'm going to be like, oh my God, I had the chance to record this episode like before she was like Oprah level. Like, I feel like this is like an epic moment to you. Well, speak it into existence. And I'm so flattered coming from you. That really is a compliment. You know, your stuff and you've helped lots of people. I mean, you've definitely, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, like through all my struggles, like you were my encourager, you helped me. You definitely helped me lean into who I was. I remember when I started five to 15 minutes of fashion and I was like, this is weird. And you were like, no, this is you. Like, I was like, this is so random what I'm doing right now. Like just sitting in my closet picking up stuff and talking about it. This is really weird. And you were just like, no, like, this is you, this is who you are. And people like to see your personality. And so um, I would just be remiss. And you were really good at this. And I think that you've definitely found like what you're good at, like helping people um, embrace the gift of influencing. So thank you so much for having me on your show, Madge. Oh my God, I'm blushing now. All right. Well, I'm going to end on that note. Um, Thank you all for tuning in and listening. Thank you for continuing to support. If you have not already, please rate the podcast. I read every review. It means so much. It gives me feedback on how you're liking the guests that we have and how you're liking the content that we put out. Um, If you want to stay connected with the show, definitely check out igniteyourinfluence.co. We have an upcoming event this year too. So I know last year, Ignite Your Influence was virtual because we wanted to make sure we social distance. Uh, This year, we're going to do an in-person experience again in October. So be on the lookout for that. Um, But in the meantime, um, continue to stay safe and continue to ignite your influence. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Your Influence podcast. If you liked this episode, continue to listen, subscribe, and share with at least one person who can benefit. And remember, always use your influence to create real impact.